2: this is the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from goodison park
1: hello everyone and welcome back to the royal blue podcast where we unfortunately have to talk about a loss again Uh, a callum wilson double was enough to give newcastle a 2-1 win over everton despite a late flurry from the blues and a goal from dominic calvert lewin i'm your host adam jones today joined by dave Prentice, Gav buckland and chris beasley we will discuss Everton's lineup, the defensive frailties, and perhaps some missed opportunities for certain players on the bench. But Preno, we'll start with the performance in general. Uh, Everton wanted a response after the Southampton game, and uh, that was probably the first thing from it, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, it was. It was just a horrible watch, a horrible experience. Um, we said in the podcast on Friday. Yeah, you know, I expressed my. My reservations and the fact that it was going to be a really, really tough match given the number of creative players that we had missing. Um, but when I saw the lineup, I was a little bit scratching my head and I couldn't quite see how it was going to work. You know, we talked on Friday about how we thought we were going to see maybe three at the back and wing backs because we had players ideally suited to play wing backs and and stretch Newcastle. I mean, we went for quite the opposite. He we went for like four or five central midfielders with absolutely no width whatsoever, and it looked like it was a team that was designed just to grind out a, a dull nil nil, or maybe try and snatch a one nil um, with a decent set piece. But it was just, it was just flat. I mean, nothing happened first half apart from the one great save you know saw from Robin Olsen. It was just, it was just dull. Uh, and you know, having screamed for Anthony Gordon to be you know used at some stage, he was just singularly ignored all the way through. So they just left us with not a great deal to commend. I mean, the goalkeeper looked good. We'll talk about him later, no doubt. Um, but it was just uh, underlined, I suppose, how lacking in depth we are in the squad. Totally, I suppose, any squad you take the three most important creative players out of us, i.e. Richarlison, Lucas Digne. And James Rodriguez, and you know most squads would suffer, but we didn't really replace like with like, did we? And I couldn't quite see what the manager was trying to do. And Newcastle are a poor side anyway, so it was it was it was just it was just flat. It was horrible. Didn't enjoy it at all. Uh, you know, I couldn't even celebrate the uh, the late goal from time when Calvert-Lewin So I just thought it was all too little, too late. You know, there were tentative hopes that could we do what Newcastle did to us last season, but no, it was never going to happen, was it? It was just something to get out the system, hope you know very very quickly hopefully improved dramatically with you know Lucas Digne and James Rodriguez at least back in the full for this weekend.
1: Gav, Carlo Ancelotti said after, well, he hinted after the game that he kind of knew that Newcastle were going to play that sort of game. You know, as as lacklustre as we were in the first half, Newcastle were very similarly defensive themselves, weren't they? But Everton just didn't really seem to have any answer to their defensive style, did
2: they? Yeah, yeah. I thought, was after the half-time, I thought, you're doing the ratings for this, half, you've got a pretty easy <laughs> job. Isn't just five or six for everyone? <laughs> like, uh, every, nobody was very average apart from yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. That I, yeah I, was, I was just thinking about an easy job this is. it would have been the same for Newcastle, as you <laughs> guys, like to say, wouldn't it really? but, you know, Who's playing well? Who's playing, but nobody is dire, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we need to talk about the lineup, don't we? Uh, particularly the way the midfield's set up, um, which I, I'm going to, Go all preno here and go all retro, oh, and say God. that was very much a Gordon Lee midfield after he sold Dave Thomas in 1979, where you play four central midfielders across the uh, middle of the park, and that with no wick and uh, it didn't work with Gordon, and it didn't work uh, didn't work with Carlo mm. yesterday. Um, you had the sorts of very, and if you throw Sigurdsson in there, as people have said, you sort of got five sorts of midfielders in. in Six positions and the five midfielders. Yeah, they've got different skills, but none of them are, may offer something completely different. And I just thought um, that was that was the big problem with us yesterday: um, lack of width. As we know, I know they play five at the back, but if, if you can get you can get a team playing with the back three, you can hit them wide. And we had no width on the pitch to do that yesterday, apart from your incursion from the two full-backs. Um, and there was nothing from the midfield at all. Uh, I was disappointed. I thought that Corey would have had an opportunity to play more box-to-box and play more in the opposition penalty area yesterday. He didn't. Um, and and Delph and Alan... Um, Alan, I thought he was one of our better players. I thought he looked a lot fitter than what he has done the last yeah. few weeks, to be honest with you. That was one of the good things from the game. Delph was just slowed the pace down, and Andre Gomez had the complete mare, which is obviously, you know... Uh, sums up by giving away a penalty so uh the lineup didn't help i would have liked at least one of bernard the will be anthony gordon on the pitch at the start just to give us something a little bit different or maybe two of those it's a newcastle team with Van average I mean the difference in the southampton game but Southampton are a good team i really yeah. like them as you well know um so if you get beat down there play badly well at least there's some mitigation but there's no mitigation in newcastle they're just like a uh, I, I'm probably going to get hammered for this, but it remind me a little bit of a northeast East version of Burnley with some better players, uh, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like that up front. Um, he's got the great name. Uh, but I think, uh, what's his name? St. Or I was like, going to say but, Callum yeah.
3: Wilson. Nothing yeah. great about Callum Wilson. <laughs> <Milt. Yeah, yeah. laughs> <laughs> I
2: know Callum Wilson and Fraser, Callum Wilson and Fraser today are two yeah. players who are like, now becoming like yeah. The, the, the bogey bogie plays for us are yeah, they was, uh, uh, they were the same. Um but now with all due respect to uh Burnley, the Newcastle remind me that a little bit of them. Um and yeah, we got with they deserve, but it's better seeing the lineup at the start on Sky just I just seen in the midfield and thought this is gonna be hard work to this today. Mm.
1: B's Gab mentions that midfield, and I think mm. what many eyes were drawn to were You know, Gomez and Sigurdsson, who were essentially playing in those wide positions in like a 4-5-1, almost a 4-3-3. But it was, yes, both of them didn't have a great performance, but, you know, it's not their natural position, is it? You know, what what could have been expected from them there?
0: Yeah, I suppose out the two of them. Yelfi probably be more adept, you know, he's, he's, you could know, say it was a mistake then, but spent a lot of his first season at Everton out on the left wing, and they, so, you know, he's more probably uh, naturally adept to play as a, almost like an old-fashioned inside forward, but yeah, and Andre Gomez, you know, he's he's your, he's your deep-lying uh, midfielder, and, you know, running is, is not his, his forte, you know, when he is on on form and he hasn't unfortunately been in recent weeks you know you want him to pick a pass and sort of open up the the defence you know take possession from deep and get things moving you know he's not he's not that sort of player who's going to really dribble at the opposition so yeah I thought it was strange eh? like I said for almost like five central midfielders and on the pitch at one time and like it's been said by the other lads there you know when you did have wide options available and left on the bench it, 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 it was strange really and like we said, too too little too late. They they had a little bit of a go in, in stoppage time, you know, for through the kitchen sink out but yeah, it was it was all a bit of desperation stuff, really.
1: Mm. And sticking with UBs as well, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of full backs, yesterday we had a very inexperienced fullback in Niels and Kunku. Uh, playing mm. left back we had somebody with a bit more experience admittedly in George O'Kenney, but somebody who was just coming back from injury at the other full back do you think maybe their performance was a little bit hampered by not having proper wingers in front of them they were getting down that pitch but the yeah. you know the overlaps just weren't there were they?
0: Yeah like you say it, it was strange given that the Newcastle like you said played with a, a back free you'd have thought that that would be <laughs> the area to target them to, to get that to get down the flanks but I mean I suppose and um, uh, it's one thing, um, you know, doing it against lower opposition, lower division opposition in the in the league cup. Um, but you know, when you're coming up against Premier League teams, and you know, it, it, it's your debut, like it was for Neals. Um, you know, it, it, it was always going to be a, a, a tough ask, really, and they were put into a, a difficult situation because of the, the the formation. I mean, it's hard for us to sort of. Um, point the finger at a you know highly decorated coach like Carlo Ancelotti, but I guess he was just trying to look for what was the best on that particular day. Given that he was hampered by the the, the injuries and uh, suspensions, uh, I mean it was it was never going to be easy, you know, losing and we all were, were knew Luca Dean was out of suspension. You know, Richarlison's been a, a real miss. So perhaps, you know, try to cook something up on the day. And to be fair, with his substitutions during the game, he did try to change things. He didn't just try and go with the same formation. You know, he tried and mix things up, go two up front, bringing toast on for his first game in a long time and try and bring that with him. But it was all a little bit too little too late.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Preno, I'll ask you the question that a lot of Everton fans were asking, especially in the second half yesterday. What does Anthony Gordon need to do to get on the pitch?
3: I was asking exactly the same question myself. Um, guys who were sat around me, I was just like, well, "What's he done wrong? You know, so why can't he get an appearance?" Um, I don't know. I just looked to be crying out for him at the time. Whenever we've seen him in like occasional cameo roles over the last few weeks, he's made things happen at Southampton last week. You know, so he actually looked bright he looked like you know he was he had the ability to make things happen he runs at players um he's direct i just it was exactly what we needed what the game was crying out for so i didn't get it i mean the whole selection seemed to be conservative it seemed to be designed to keep possession and try and just you know sort of thread a ball through Uh, rather than getting the ball wide and getting crosses into the box and to that end that's even even Bernard when he was brought on seemed to be used in that role he was being used centrally rather than getting somebody out wide you know sort of try and stretch the game so whether that was part of Carlo's game plan you know so whether for some reason he decided to get in the ball wide and getting crosses into the box it wasn't going to be a useful ploy it wasn't going to work I don't know um I mean but the The policy that he chose on the day clearly didn't work either, and it wasn't working. So why not change it a little bit? Why not try and do something a little bit different? No, it left me scratching my head. And, um, you know, Carlo's been an absolute breath of fresh air. I mean, we love everything that he's done. But just little things every now and then, you know, left a little bit puzzled. Um, Ironically, it was in Newcastle last season, uh, the home game, uh, Goodison, when I heard something that left me scratching my head a little bit as well. Remember, like, the famous comeback of Goodison Park when we were 2-0 up and coasting? And they just pulled a goal back to make it 2-1. And it was time I did on. We had the, uh, the, uh, the centre. The ball was played back to Fabian Delph. And if you remember, he launched the ball long. And um, Newcastle, won- I think they won a free kick, didn't they, uh, which mm-hmm. enabled them to get the ball into our box and equalise from it. Now, I heard subsequently after that game, Delph only did that because he was getting instructions roared at him by Ancelotti to do exactly that. When his natural football brain, if you like, had told him, no, don't roll it back to Jordan. Jordan will keep possession until he's pressed. He'll knock the ball long. The referee will blow the final whistle. The game's over. But he did what his manager wanted. And he said afterwards, I regret it. He said, you know, I wish I'd have done what I wanted to do. So you think oh well you know that's what the manager wanted he had a reason for doing that and again at the weekend you think anthony gordon's the obvious choice for me but you know clearly carlo's got massive you know so much greater tactical expertise and insight than any of us so we have to go with you know so what he's thinking and what he's planning i'd like to hear an explanation though as to why i didn't want to use him and I, i suspect he won't give that publicly but to me it was crying out it was crying out for um Anthony Gordon to be introduced and I don't know what that has to do to be honest, I think he's been deserving of uh, more game time for quite some time.
1: Mm. Over the last two games, Gav, we've obviously talked a lot about Everton's need to replace Richarlison in the team and you know I think it's widely accepted that there's no like-for-like replacement for Richarlison in the Everton squad. I don't think many squads across the Premier League would have a like-for-like replacement for somebody like Richarlison. But is Gordon the closest that Everton have got you know in terms of physicality, pace, you know, goal threat from out wide, even is he is he probably the closest that I've ever have got in terms of you know preserving that style of play if Richardson's yeah.
2: out? It will be perhaps. Mm. the Anthony Gordon's slightly different, he's a little bit I hate that phrase wiry, but I'm gonna use it. Plus I think he's not physically strong because he's not, you know, in terms of age and stuff and his a physical development, he's at a different different stage, isn't he? But yeah, I'm with. I know I just, it's just the same style because he's just done four players midfield plus six up front, of so it. sort of similar, similar types, you know. Just to give something different, I think. I'm just wondering, Car. I'm just goes back to Carlo, really. Just um, Car- is Carlo's management strength bringing young players into a team and nurturing them within the team. I mean that was one of the reasons why I like Sifirang when he when he joined. That was one of the things I, I sort of placed out about that that's not his game, is it? I mean, you need to say about well, he's got calvert Lou playing and he's 22-23 and the Charleston. But they'd had a lot of they'd had games, you know, a lot of games before Carlo joined. I'm not sure I'm not sure whether Carlo's game is bringing young talent through and nurturing it. You know, um, he's got. He, he, he's, he's a manager who likes established plays and, and 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 organizing it from that point, which was what you're seen yesterday. And I'm just wondering where that comes into the uh, in, into the the question marks over, over Gordon. Um perhaps. But yeah, it's just I just wanted to see something different. Uh is like I don't think Bernard's done himself any favours. Uh, but just even Bernard playing wide left from the start would have uh been a different. But I think what going back to the point last week is what we've missed is a second striker, haven't we? That would mitigate not having the Charleston. Mm. You know, a fully you know, fully experienced second striker to play with Calvalloon. Yes, they would have been a big uh, build-out because that would have meant you could have played Sigurdsson in the midfield and you could have ended up playing sort of like four three one two or something like that. This is a slightly a more, a more rounded, uh, more rounded setup, a more logical one than we, than we had yesterday.
1: Mm-hmm. So B's, the, the three changes when they did come uh, yesterday ended up being mm. Bernard Chenk Tosin making his first first <clears throat> Premier League appearance since the yeah. end of February, and uh, Alex mm-hmm. Iwobi, who of course ended up getting the assist for Calvert Lewin in the end. Uh, in terms of you know the, the options that Everton did have on the bench, and obviously Anthony Gordon was one of them. Do you think they were the
0: right changes at the times that they were made? I mean, it was he was certainly bold, and that he, he changed the formation round, and because he, he saw what it obviously wasn't working at at, at the time. You could almost say that it will be vindicated his introduction with the with the um, the assist. But uh, he's a, a player who continues to frustrate me. Sometimes think you know, oh, he's taking the wrong option there, or. Um, could have gone on a little more, and then, like we said, uh, even Bernard as, as well as as gifted as he is and as talented as he is, he he needs to be producing more in 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 the final third. Um, Tosin Tosin's a finisher, and as we saw about at this time last year, you know he came off the bench against Tottenham and rescued a point there. You know, you, you know you can't deny that about him. I just don't think that he, he's got the legs to be you know a, a long term option for Everton, but you know he, he is somebody who you, you can call upon to hopefully try and make a, a, an impact in the game that you're chasing. I, I don't think that, that they were the problem because they were slightly better in, in the latter stages. I think it was just, like we said, this, the problem from the start, this strange formation that we you know, the, the game started with and we saw for a, an hour or whatever, almost an hour, and before we actually made any of the changes there. And it, it, was, it, it was just... On the back from the start, they said, in the first half of um, very few chances, and then the first goal was always going to be important. And, you know, it was a very um, sloppy, sort of sh- strange sort of uh, penalty incident from Andre Gomez lo- losing his focus there. And, you know, they were on the back for The
2: Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly.
1: of course the midfield wasn't the only talking point uh, of the lineup of course uh, jordan pickford was left on the bench for a premier league match for the first time since his move to Everton in in back in the summer of 2017 uh preno robin Olson was given his chance mm-hmm. to start uh, against newcastle how, how did you think he did
3: um, very, very well. I'd much rather talk about that than about penalties, as Chris has just referenced. Then, because this weekend has <laughs> just been an absolute abomination as far as penalties are concerned in the Premier League. You've seen penalties given for absolutely nothing. I mean, the Mo Salah, the Harry Kane, the one in our game, it's like, oh my God, what's the game coming to? But, you know, as regards uh, our goalkeeping situation, Strange decision, you know. So when I heard he being left out, I thought, well, that's likely to attract even more profile and attention on Jordan Pickford, surely, uh, than a game where you effectively would be asked to do very, very little. Uh, but having said that, Robin Olsen came in and he did exactly what we've been wanting Jordan Pickford to do all season, which is just be quietly reassuring and just be, you know, undemonstrative and just, you know, so sort of do things in a fairly unflappable manner, which he did whilst also making two very, very good saves, uh, you know, so instinctive saves uh, at the same time. And if anything, Carr has probably given himself a bit of a problem now. I mean, I know he said that Jordan's going to come back in against Manchester United, but does Robin Olsen deserve to be dropped on that performance? Um, I don't know, just... Uh, I wasn't quite sure of the rationale again. Um, but then again, in hindsight, the final minutes we saw you know Robin Olsen charging up into their penalty area to try and attack a corner, which absolutely, so we should have done. You know, there were only thirty seconds left. But what would the reaction have been if Jordan Pickford had done that? You know, because obviously Olsen's doing it, and everyone's like egging him on, saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, great shout. But if Jordan Pickford's doing that because everybody's criticizing him for being you know, sort of overreactive. You know, so would he be getting flack for doing it? So I don't know. It's a a strange situation in the world of Jordan Pickford at the moment. And uh, I just thought this, more than anything, probably drew more attention towards him than actually sparing him. I mean, okay, it was at Newcastle where he does normally have meltdowns. But, you know, this is a place where there were no fans. So there was no likelihood of getting any kind of, uh, you know, sort of flack or any kind of, like, mental breakdown this time. So, no, it was a bit of an odd decision, I thought. Uh, And I think the way Robin also, and performed, which was very, very good. I mean, so, you know, so Carlo might have given himself a slightly more difficult situation than he would have had otherwise. Mm.
1: It was quite a surprise incident, wasn't it, Gavin? you know, Carlo Ancelotti said after, well, he hinted after the game that, you know, he might be game for rotating his goalkeepers throughout the season. He hinted that this wouldn't be the first time that Olsen would play a league game, wouldn't be the last time that Olsen's going to play a league game. So is that something that you'd like to see at Evan throughout the rest of the season? You know, uh, no, a rotating goalkeeper. No. no. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> it's not had a good couple of weeks, Carlo, has he really? You know, you know, when, um people have criticized the team selection this week. Um, couple of odd substitutions in both games, um, poor performances in both games. So it's not been a good week for him in this. This is sort of symptomatic of the sort of ten days he's had is is I think we expected at some point Pickford would be rested or whatever, for whatever, you know, obviously he's had a lot of issues off the pitch. Um and and but so when he was rested or whatever yesterday, I thought, okay, that's fair enough. Um I was just surprised that Carlo then put a asterisk against that which would be he'd be back next week. I'm assuming there that you've you rested him because of what's gone on off the pitch since the, the derby, rather than for form reasons. But I was just think, imagine if Robin Olsen had saved the penalty and scored in the last minute yesterday. Needlessly, Carlo, he needlessly given himself a problem, but he could have just kept stung, couldn't he?
3: Yeah.
2: You know, he could have just said quietly to Jordan, listen, I'm not going to publicly say this, but you're going to be back in the team next week, but we'll just—I don't want to sort of put pressure on people, the, the new keeper, and and also pressure on yourself. Um, and he could have just done that quietly with Jordan, and, and just moved on next week. Or he could have just said, Jordan. And this is a, this is the, probably the more worrying aspect. Is, is it? Is this look at like again, Jordan may be a little bit difficult to manage. he's got to reassure him? The, hmm. I'm dropping this week, but you're back in next week. Is it just a, those of a pampering and? A little bit uh, <laughs> and uh i just it was just a strange one that um ha, you know on the basis that people expected jordan not to play at some point just saying to have that like caveat um and as i say it's sort of been picking with, in in in, sort of in keeping with the, the sort of difficult 10 days carlos had mm.
1: now b's robin olsen was brought in to provide competition to Jordan Pickford, wasn't he? And you know, yeah. does is that maybe behind Carlo's thinking behind wanting to rotate goalkeepers? You know, he's keeping he's keeping competition between the two of them. Is that the is that the way he thinks he's going to get the best out of the pair of them?
0: I, I guess so. You know, you got two international goalkeepers though. Uh, like, like everyone, yeah, I was I was surprised by the decision coming when it did at, at Newcastle, but even more surprised by the fact that he said. Yeah, he's he's back in next week, regardless. Because like the the other lads have said, he he didn't need to say that. But yeah, I don't. i like Gav. I mean, I don't like. I think you should have an established number one. Um, okay, we're going back a generation now. But Neville Southall never needed a quality number two to keep it. You know, his his ability levels up. He was always self motivated. Best in the world, regardless of who was his understudy. It didn't matter. But yeah, if you've got two international goalkeepers there, I guess you've got two people you hope you, you can depend upon. Um, like I said, Olsen, we, we know we know he's 30 years of age. He's an experienced Swedish international. It's not happened to him for um, for whatever reason at Rome. I spent last season alone on uh, Cagliari, um, another Serie A team. So, uh, you know, he does come with a certain degree of pedigree and you can hope you can um, d- depend on him. And like I said uh, yesterday, he... He did what we were hoping from Pickford a lot of the time this season, this uh, reassured display. I mean, I'm one of these who chooses to do it without the artificial crowd sound. So I was getting, like you, the, the stadium sound yesterday. I know Jordan's vocal as well. But um, there's a few times you could hear Olsen, you know, giving the shout there, keepers. and you know, he was claiming the ball confidently. And he, and he was, you know, when, it, when he was putting the pressure ball at his feet, he would just keep it simple which you want Jordan Pickford to do really it, it, his kicking should be an asset for Everton because he is good with the ball at his feet sometimes I think there was an incident at Southampton a week ago he you was know, getting a little bit cocky at times and you just think that don't overplay it just keep things simple and do, keep to what you're good at so uh, two, I don't like the idea of rotation but I guess it, if, if that's the way Carlo wants to describe it at least he's got two international
3: keepers he feels he can depend upon now
1: mm. What's your thoughts on rotating keepers Prenner?
3: Uh, no, don't like the idea at all. Um, you know, when you when you were talking about it before, I saw Gav's, you know, sort of look of horror. Because <laughs> like me, he can remember the days when we had uh, David Lawson and Di Davis um, chopping and changing, and uh, it was never, never a good situation. Uh, I mean, the early days of Neville, I mean, uh, Jim Arnold, you know, so it was yeah. was first choice, certainly in the, you know, sort of 83, 84 season at the beginning of, or 82, 83. And, um, you know, so, But once Neville had actually, you know, convinced Howard that he was the, you know, the way to go, that was it then. There was, there was no shift in him. And if you are rotating goalkeepers, to me, it means that you're not 100% happy or confident with your first choice. You know, why would you do it? Um, playing the same goalkeeper week in, week out allows the defenders to get comfortable with that. You know, so a goalkeeper, they know. You know so sort of where he's likely to bid and you know where he's likely to want the ball you know so sort for of back passes and things and just you know so sort of familiarity is very very important when it comes to a, a back four and a goalkeeper and if you can get the same five playing together uh, hopefully you're going to suffer less at set pieces and you're going to have less you know so sort of breakdowns in communication Uh, There weren't any obvious instances of that happily, yesterday, Uh, but, you know, on Sunday. But surely, you know, so the more a first-choice goalkeeper plays, you know, so the greater likelihood of uh, there being just more defensive solidity. So, no, it's not something that I'm particularly happy with. And again, it just underlines, you know, why I thought it was a bit of a curious decision, you know, taken when he did.
2: Mm.
1: Well, we've said Olsen had a good game, but unfortunately the defence in front of him had a few mistakes in them again. Gavin, you know, Carlo Ancelotti said after the game that he wanted to try and cut out these mistakes that were getting made against Southampton. He didn't want to gift Newcastle any goals, but unfortunately Everton did kind of gift Newcastle two goals, didn't he? Um, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's, now that's no clean sheet since... Uh, the game against Salford, only one Premier League clean sheet this season, and that was the first yeah. game of the season. You know, how much
2: of a concern is, you know, well, nice defensive not, output? Yeah, it's not just clean, not keeping clean sheets, it's conceding two goals, isn't it? Is it seven games conceding two goals or something like I don't know the exact mm. uh, facts behind it, but um, that is a concern. I mean, let's face it, Newcastle didn't put us under a lot of pressure yesterday, did they? Said the game was going meandering nowhere. Cole, I know we've not spoken about so this. is just a complete not a liability in his own box, and it's not it's not the first time he's given away a penalty and it's clumsily in the boxes. It, I think he did it last year in one of the lockdown games, didn't he? Um, and uh, Goodison. Um So that was that was just clumsy. And the second one is, yeah, he yeah, mean. I mean, I know we've, we've got. uh Brant oh, was back on the bench yesterday, wasn't he? And. and um, gate's injured, but yeah, he I may mean, be looking over his shoulder. Obviously, we've got Ben Godfrey as well because that's twice in three games. He's he's sort of given the, the opposition a goal, hasn't he? And he's done it twice in three games. That's that's poor, isn't it, for an international class centre half? So, you know, I think I suspect that that, who, that was who Carlo was referring to afterwards. <laughs> so just uh, it, the defensively, they didn't quite badly, you know, but did. You don't want him losing concentration in a, in a tight game, and that's what happened yesterday. And, you mm-hmm. know, Michael Keane was okay, wasn't he? Um, so I don't think it was necessarily the defence as a whole. It was just individual mistakes, wasn't it, by players? And uh, mm-hmm. Yeri Mina was um, was culpable again, wasn't he, really? Um, which, mm-hmm. so, so I don't know what that'd be. Two of the last five goals we can see have been directly down to his, his errors, you know, which is not great. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. We'll get on to discuss that uh, that proper weird penalty decision in a minute. But these, uh, Gav mentions Mason Holgate there. Do you think the last few yeah. games have kind of highlighted how underrated he is? And you know, Everton have been without him all season, of course. You know, they, they they seem to be missing him quite a lot now, don't they?
0: Yeah, he's, he his plays come on leaps and bounds uh, since, since uh, Carlo's been at the club. I mean, he. Um quickly became one of the uh, most important players under under the new management. And, uh, yeah, definitely because um, they've, been, they've been short of uh, in that position until the recent acquisition of, of Godfrey, who's ironically, first two appearances, have both come at, at right back. Um, yeah, they're, if, if they're, it, it, at least you're going to have that, that competition for places now, you hope. You know, they've been light for over a year now, um, ever since, you know, the summer um, before last when... Um, Kurt Zouma's loan expired and uh, Phil Jagielka was released, going all through last season with just three senior centre-backs and then until the acquisition of Godfrey now. Um, they've had to sort of rely being a man short and the, obviously it meant that Bramfwaite was able to come in and play a few games towards the end of last season, but he's still very much you know, a, a rookie um, learning his trade, just a handful of League Two appearances, albeit he did very well when he came in at times uh, last season. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure uh, Mason's a... Uh, chomping at the bit and I uh, can't wait to get back in there because I think if, you know, unless uh, Yeri Mina can cut out these mistakes, it, it is a big concern.
1: Mm. And I'll we'll stick with you for this, Bees, because I know Preno's mm-hmm. already given his thoughts briefly on it, but yeah. obviously Evan's first goal was a penalty uh, given away by Andre Gomez. Yeah. Uh, I remember, look, I, I, I saw it in real time and yeah. I thought you know, that, that that looked a bit like a bit of a, a wild challenge. Then I saw the replay and I thought, well, I'd never give that as a penalty, but I kind of knew in the back of my head that VAR would never overrule it either. And I suppose that's that's the that's the kind of situation the Prenner was alluding to before, isn't it? It's a it's a bizarre situation the football finds itself in now with penalties like that being given away.
0: It was just a strange and unnecessary challenge. Um I think he was always leaving himself open to the spot kit being given when he's going to do something like that and no amount of um, sort of shaking your own leg and uh, crying out you, you, you hurt yourself is going to prevent that that penalty being given. I mean, it was a long time. They did have a good look at it on the v- the VIR and you're wondering, hmm, but then you thought, well, is he really going to Overturn the the referee's <clears throat> original decision. It just it just didn't have to be made. Whether we thought it was a penalty or not, and I, I can see exactly why it's been given. It, it, it yeah, it was an odd challenge, but just didn't have to do it. Just didn't um, and said it. It's not the first time either, and he's having a bit of a, a tough time of late. Andre Gomez. There's a huge amount of love for Andre. And he first came to the club. Um, hugely popular player both on and off the pitch. Um, if, he's, he's a great guy, and there was a great deal of goodwill for him. The way he came back so soon from that from that horrible injury, but after initial couple of games looking good in this new system with better players around him, um, he, he, he has been struggling. I think since since the, um, the the derby, he came back from the international break there, and he it's it a strange display where because you, you think one thing you get from him would be the passing, well, his, his passing was off in the in the derby, and since then it's just it's just not looked at the races for me.
1: Mm. I mean, Gav, I think in terms of the penalty, one of the things that seemed to rile up Everton fans after the game was Callum Wilson in his interview after the game, kind of admitting that he played to try and win that penalty. But that's that's something that a lot of strikers in the Premier League do these days, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I've got a problem with that, to be honest with you. It's what happens when you've got euphoric after you've won and you've scored twice, isn't it, you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've not got a problem with that. It was just clumsy. He didn't go towards the ball, Gomez. Did he? And by the time he reacted, it was too late. As soon as I saw it, he'd taken intent out of the law, hadn't he? This season, mm. so whether he intended to do that or not, it was irrelevant. It was just a um, clumsy challenge, not the first time, and, and, and symptomatic of the way it's going for him at the moment, isn't it? Gomez after a, a good start to the season, first two or three games, last three games, he's. Um, you know, he's struggled.
1: Mm. Gav, you were mentioning the lack of a uh, backup striker before, but Cenk Tosen made his return yesterday, came off the bench, his first appearance under Carlo Ancelotti. How important do you think he's, at least until January, how important yeah. do you think he's going to be over the next, we, we, over the next few weeks?
2: Yeah, can obliged to say it's important <laughs> because I said that on the podcast a few weeks ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's getting game time. I know he had a bit of stick, but he's not played since, would it be? February, March time, something like and, that. End of February, was yeah. It's yeah. so long time now, isn't it? Eight months uh, mm. without, without kicking the ball in anger. So, yeah, he is. I mean, I would like to see the option of him playing four four two if 2 if he's missing somebody. But I think uh, you've brought Sims on yesterday just for 15 minutes, perhaps. I was thinking he was on the bench. But I, I, I can see mm-hmm. the argument might Give. You give Towson game time, he is the senior striker. He is not important because I've, I was going to say got rid of Keane, that's not the right phrase to use, is it? He's done quite well. Mm-hmm. I haven't sent Keane to France, we, we are short there, aren't we? So he is important as an option. Just got to get match fitness, but's that like thing? You can't get match fitness until you play, can you? And he's And like mm. A fully fit team, he's not going to get much uh, game time, is he really?
1: Mm. I think Gav raises an interesting question there, Prano. I think... You know, obviously Towson was the man picked to come off the bench, but Ellis Sims was there as well. You know, yeah. would he, would you have given him, you know, it probably would have been a pressure situation to ask him to come on and get a goal in that sort of scenario. But, you know, would you have brought him on or do you think Towson, you know, he, pl- he played a part in the build up to Everton's goal? Of course, I think that's the only thing I can really remember him doing, to yeah. be honest. But, you know, do you think, do you think it was the right decision to bring him on?
3: Hundred percent. I mean, I think Ellis Sims was in there just purely for the experience. Um, I think it's asking an awful lot of, of a young lad to come on in a situation like that and be expected to try and influence a game. I'm always reminded a long, long time ago of um, a game when Everton played Manchester United, and um, Robbie Wackenshaw actually played in that game uh, and scored. But Ian Bishop was brought on as a substitute late in the game, and I have never seen an individual freeze. Or be so absolutely traumatized by the experience of running on in front of forty odd thousands, um, you know. And he became a very, very good player in Bishop. He had a great career uh, with Manchester City, with West Ham. But clearly, he just wasn't ready, you know, sort exposure uh, in such a big game. And likewise, Ellis Sims, it just would have been asking so much of him. I mean, the lad's clearly confident, but you know, for everything I've seen and heard of him, he's a, he's a finisher, you know. So he's, he's great at uh, you know taking opportunities and scoring. We were creating nothing. You know, so, the, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was feeding on absolute scraps all the way through. So, at least Tosin, we know, will hold the ball up when it's played to him. Uh, we know he's a decent finisher anyway. Um, I quite like Tosin. I think he's okay. Um, you know, he's, he's never going to stretch defences with his running or his, uh, his pace. Although, it took us by surprise, that one against Palace last season, you know, when he uh, pushed the ball on and, you know, sort of sprinted after it and scored. So, now he's okay. You know, certainly he'll certainly do a job. So, yeah, 100% it was the right decision at that time. But I just don't think anybody was going to benefit, um, regardless of who was put on because we were creating so little. And that goes back to a discussion we were having earlier. You know, there was nobody in the wide positions, you know, so getting quality balls into the box. So no, it was a you know, a million dollar question, really. You could have played anybody and uh, they did have struggled. But no, I still I think Towson probably was the right call. I just think Bernard wasn't. I think I would have liked to have seen somebody, you know, so sort of brought on to stretch the game earlier than that. But, you know, everybody's uh, a football manager when they want to be, don't they?
1: (laughs) Well, fingers crossed with uh, better options to pick from next week. Uh, Things will look a little bit better for Everton. But that'll be the topic for the second podcast later in the week. Obviously, we'll be back round the table to discuss, uh, or to preview, sorry, Everton's upcoming fixture against Manchester United, at Goodison Park, the early kickoff on Saturday. But, Thank you for joining us today. Uh, you can rem- remember to rate and review us on uh, wherever you get your podcast from and don't forget to join in the conversation on Twitter and Facebook as well. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast.
0: You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.